Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Well, we're in a part uh, three of a series that we've been calling The Power of Love. And the idea is being this understanding of, of God's immense love for us as his people as we sail into uncharted waters to be able to share the love of God outside of these four walls into the, the lives and the hearts of people within our neighbourhoods, our communities, our workplaces, our schools and universities, the, the very places on our front line where we mix and mingle with the world around us is that we need to have this compulsion in us of experience the love of God so we want to give it away. To know the vastness of God's love so that we can know our identity. To be able to understand and be assured that love becomes central to who we are and what we're about because we serve a God who says God is love. God is love. And uh, my son recently has been showing me these beautiful images that are coming from out of space. Uh, have you seen some of these on your social media feed? Maybe you've seen them uh, perhaps on the news, but these are some of the incredible images from the James Webb Telescope. It's the most powerful telescope we have that's up in space. And it's bringing these images which are hundreds of millions of light years away. You know, you think about Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. And you're thinking, buddy, that doesn't matter. If you're traveling at the speed of light, it's still going to take you 450 million years to get there. It's a long, long way away. And these images are from those darkest spots in our night sky that we don't even see a, a glimmer of light. And yet out there are these, these galaxies. Out there are these other parts of, of, of solar systems and clusters of stars that are just absolutely mind-boggling blows my mind to even try to comprehend or to understand the vastness of the universe that we are a part of. And yet it, at the same time lets me think how, how wonderful this universe is, but how, how amazing is it that the God who flung all of that into place, the one who spoke it into being, knows me, knows you, set this place up in which we live as a, 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 a most magnificent place and all the things we've seen throughout the universe are starting to see even further beyond. Nothing's quite like the place we live. And today I kind of want to take you to the place of thinking about just how vast God's love is alongside of the Apostle Paul as we dig into a book of Ephesians to try to encourage you to comprehend the incomprehensible love of Christ that is so vast you can never really fully comprehend it. So if you have your Bibles there with you, let's open up to Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to read from verses 14 through to verses 19. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can you remember our first message in our series a couple of weeks ago? I was talking about how Saul, this man, this terrorist, basically hell-bent on ensuring that the church in its earliest stages was shut down, locked down. The people of the way, the followers of Jesus were going to be put in prison and he was out to persecute the church had this experience of the love of God and the love of God's people that welcomed him into the family even as the known terrorist. And the, the terrorist Saul became the Apostle Paul. Remember we talked about that? If, if, you, if your face is looking blank right now, you can always go back and watch the, the series and, and start from the beginning, catch up on where we're at. And in this letter, this letter that we have right here now to the Ephesians, this is Paul, the apostle, and, and he's writing to the church at Ephesus. This guy who wanted to kill the church is now being used by God to instruct them and train them and educate them. And he's talking in the book of Ephesians about ensuring that they know their identity in who Jesus is. In the context of this passage we're reading today, it's set up in such a way that he's actually talking about that in Jesus, it's in him and through what he did that even Jews and Gentiles can be reconciled. The people who Paul, as Saul, was originally working for to kind of destroy the church and to pull it down can now be at one with those who are of the way and reaching out into these heathen places, these nations and people that don't know Jesus, they can actually come to Together. This, is, this is like saying Bronco supporters and, and West Tigers supporters could sit down and have a meal together. New South Welshmen and Queenslanders in the midst of an origin tussle should share a meal together. This is the, the kind of thing that he's talking about. Something that was kind of totally out there. The Greens sitting down with the coalition and, and, and actually coming to an agreement on something. This is the sort of thing he's talking about and he's describing. This is the context of this passage, which now he says, I want you to grasp your identity in the love of Jesus and just how big and how wide and how deep this love of God is. Why? Because he knows the words of Jesus. You better know your love for yourself before you can love others and you better love God before you love others and your love for one another is going to demonstrate my love towards others. Do you see what he's saying? He needs us to understand, to try to grasp and to comprehend how vast the love of God is, how powerful this love will be. And so he prays for them to the Father because he knows just how important it really is that the idea that they know how powerful love can be. How many of us know it's, 
It's easy to get worn down along the way of, of living out the mission of God in this world. It's the power of our identity that enables us to renew our strength. Renewing our strength is not about working harder. It's not about becoming more deeply aware, you know, working harder to press into something in a sense of um, you know, just trying to find the right levers to pull. It's actually about finding ourselves becoming more deeply aware of just how wide and how long and how high and how vast the love of God is for us. God's loves like the far-flung places, these galaxies that we're just grabbing a glimpse of, it's incomprehensible just how big and how fast God's love is for you. He has surrounded us with his love. He's hemmed us on in, in, in every side. It, it's like we're swimming in an ocean of love, just like we've been singing about. How vast the Father's love for us. Like a mighty ocean. And we're swimming in the midst of it. The word Paul uses in this passage of Ephesians to describe this kind of love, this God kind of love, is a word that actually the Christians made up. In the Greek language, there are, are four words to describe love. We, we only settle on the one word. I love ice cream. I, I love my family. I love my friends. I love a good steak. I love my dog, I love God. Don't quite ring the same, does it? You know, to be able to describe it. So the, the Greeks had four different ways in their language of being able to describe this love and the kind of God love, the Christians actually made a new type of word up to help understand and describe it. One of the words they use is storge. It's like loving someone through fondness or familiarity, family members, people who we relate to in familiar ways, in, in family kind of ways. Uh, we, we find ourselves bonded to them because of these type of familiarities that we have. It's kind of like a natural affection. Of course, you can have no natural affection or be heartless, then this type of love does not apply. Who do you love with that type of love? The people you can think of right now that you love with that type of love. Second type of love described is philea. Flair is the love between friends as close as a sibling. It's a strengthening of bonds that endure. The friendship is as, you know, and you say, I, I love them like a brother, or I love them like a sister. That's the type of love that's talked about here. This friendship love where it exists because of common values, it intersects our interests and activities. This sort of love is generated when what we see someone that we like. We like them, we say, I like that guy, I like that person, I like that person. The reverse is also true that if we see something in someone that we don't like, then we actually withhold love from them. Let's be honest with ourselves right here. There's probably people in our sphere of influence that we are withholding love from because they don't agree with you, 
You kind of lost that loving feeling. It's not there anymore. There's another word to describe love, and it's eros, and it's love in the, the sense of being in love or loving someone like a, a romantic kind of love. And then there's this word that the Christians made up because all those other types of love, those three different storge, flair and eros love are, are, are loves that have a condition attached to them. They're a type of love that in some way or another is discriminatory. Whether you're a sibling or a friend or you like what they're like or those sorts of things. Agape love is a different love. Agape is absolute unconditional love to the whosoever. You can be loved no matter who you are or where you are, no matter what is occurring in your life, whether you're succeeding or failing. Agape love is an exercise of the divine will of God in deliberate choice. When God looks at you, he deliberately chooses you. He did not choose you for what you might become. He chose you not because you're special or you're gifted or had potential or could measure up or made the card or showed aptitude or looked the part. None of that. He chose you because he loved you right where you are just as you are. That choice happened before you did anything, before you made any decision, or you said that you were sorry, or you turned towards God, or you trusted Him, or you yielded your life yet to Him, before you did anything, because you did not earn agape love. It's a choice of his love, his favor toward you. And if you didn't do anything to earn it, before you did any of those other things, there's nothing you can do now to earn his love. It's his choice to love you, and he does. Isn't that amazing? See, God's not disillusioned with us. He never had any illusions in the first place. He knew just what you were like, just as you were, just as you are. And he still loves you. He knows your preferences, your prejudices. He knows and always has known exactly what you're like. And he still chose to love you. That's agape. A deliberate choice of the will to love someone because of who you are, not what they are. A deliberate choice of the will to love others because of who you are, not what they are. You see, all those other sorts of love is because of what they are. They are my family. They are my friends. They share a common interest. They like to do these things. I like them because I like them and what they do, who they are. Agape love says, I will love you because of who I am. Now you can understand the importance of anchoring your identity in the vastness of God's love. 
Because you, we naturally want to tend towards all those other types of loves. I, I often don't love in an agape love. I, I tell you, I've got to grow in that space. My love comes easier when it's through the fondness of familiarity, like with friends and family and kids. My love is demonstrated when there's a strong bond of friendship where we share something in common, like being here at River Life together, part of the families. Some of you more than others, perhaps, but you know. But my love rarely is a choice to love someone because of who I am rather than who they are. That's a deliberate choice. That requires that I know who I am and that that identity, that encounter with the love of God has radically altered how I see myself. Just last Monday, we had a staff prayer retreat and we were praying into the vision of the church and just, we just started to call out on the Lord for, for him to do something in and through us and amongst us as we pictured it. Uh, uh, you know, five years ahead, what, what it could look like. And, and, and as we did that, and as we were challenged to continue to just press in, I, I started to think about all the people going to hell. All the people that are going to have an eternity without Jesus. And I can tell you, all of a sudden, I just started to tear up. I just started to, to cry, and then it got to that ugly crying part. I haven't cried like that for the lost in a long time. That's the type of encounter with the love of God that makes us want to stop and realize that I have a choice to make to be able to love people because of who I am, what he's done in me, who he is for me to them, not what they can offer me. Do you get that kind of power? of love, a choice to love someone because of who you are. We need to discover this type of agape love, a love that's true no matter what's occurring. God is agape, God is love. We can expect to be loved by God and love others through him. This is why Paul is praying that we might grasp this whole idea of love and that we would be rooted and established in this type of love. Rooted and established in this type of love. Why? Because the power of this love rests on our identity in Jesus and the assurance of his unconditional, immense and outrageous love towards us. I pray that through his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, would have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp just how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. Rooted and established. It's an agricultural term. It, it conveys this image of, uh, uh, you know, plants, trees that are digging their roots deep down. And even though the storms and the wind and everything else would come against them and how at the top there might be lots of moving around and change and 
maybe even branches lost and all sorts of stuff. In the sway of these incredible winds that come, digging right down deep into the ground to establish them, to keep them secure and strong. They have these foundational roots. If the wind blows, we need only to go deeper in the awareness of what keeps us rooted and established. A love found in our identity in Jesus. It's our awareness of God's love that allows us to reach our full potential, filled to the measure of the fullness of God. When you and I are filled to the measure of the fullness of God, it's then that we'll be able to live an abundant life where where God's will takes place through you and, and you will find yourself loving others like God loves them. Love what Graham Cook says, he says, you can't have Jesus in you and be ordinary. What if every difficulty in your life could be upgraded just because you knew how to be wonderfully loved? When you are wonderfully loved, you have an expectation on that love. When you are rooted and established in love, and this understanding of this type of agape love, we have the power then, and this is what Paul is praying for, to be able to grasp just what that love can do, not only in us, but through us to love others. But this kind of love, this kind of love costs. Jesus modeled, he demonstrated this kind of sacrificial, costly love to make choice. The Father chose to release his one and only son. His choice to enter into our brokenness, take upon himself the punishment of our sin, that cost him his life. Agape love is a selfless love. And when we go to those who don't yet know Jesus and what he has done for them, we go knowing our identity and therefore go being able to exhibit an agape kind of love. And it'll cost us. We're going to have to love people because of who we are, not because of who they are. That's going to cost you. The other type of loves you're going to get perhaps something in return. But this type of love has no strings attached. It may cost you your time and your convenience. Loving others can be inconvenient. Closest I could come to thinking of this is as a parent. My Saturdays that I'd like for myself become the opportunity to drop them to sport and you know, basketball and rugby or you know, into jiu-jitsu and back to this and over to that and whatever it might be. Their social calendar looks better than mine. But I'll do it for them because I love my kids. I'll forgo my plans to do in my spare time to be there for them. And at best, this is probably a storge or a phileo kind of love. If I was to do that for people I don't even know, that's getting closer to agape. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus gives us an illustration of that in Matthew 25. It may cost you your reputation. 
Agape love may just do that. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. Let me read to you out of Luke chapter 5. It says, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I love the fact that Jesus is called a friend of sinners. It's actually a huge deal, I think. A friendship is something special, it's something intimate. It's the demonstration of one of those types of love, that phileo kind of love. Romans 3.23 says that we're all sinners. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the consequence of that sin in our lives is eternal death. However, our God, just and perfect in the vastness of his love, sent his one and only son to die for us so that we could be restored into friendship with Jesus. Here's what he thinks about the word friend. He says in John 15, no greater love has a man than this than to lay his life down for one of his friends. According to Jesus, the greatest act of love is to lay down your life for someone else and that's what Jesus did. The truth is he wants to be our friend. He's made us to be our friend. And if you need more evidence to believe that, he's given it to you in Romans 5.8 says that while you were still sinner, Christ died for you. While you were still sinner, he decided you're worth dying for. This is the vastness of his love. This is this agape love where he chose not to love you because of who you were, who you would become, who you would be. He loved you because he made a deliberate choice out of who he was, the saviour of the universe, and loved you right then and there just as you were. Have you received that kind of message? Do you believe what this means? Have you received Jesus as a friend? If you haven't, then you can call on him. Because he didn't just do all of that because he loves you. He did it because God so loved the world. His love is so immense, he wants everyone to experience that. There's more than enough to go around and you become an authorised distributor of God's love when you come to know and experience that love of yourself. I'm wondering if this is the message that people are hearing outside these four walls as we sail into those uncharted waters. Is this the love that they're experiencing Are we prepared to risk our reputation of who we are demonstrating love towards others? I have a friend who used to work and live in Kolkata. He lived and worked in and amongst a a region, an area, a suburb called Sonagachi. 
Sonagachi is about a square kilometer, has hundreds of multi-story brothels, tens of thousands of sex workers, many of them slaves, people forced, stolen from their parents, families and friends, coerced and then forced into a sex slave. As an Indian man walking through the streets of Sonagachi, he risked his reputation. There's only one reason a man walks through the middle of Sonagachi. What does love cost you? What of yourself are you giving to others in the light of what Jesus did for you? His amazing love. The truth is, love, when sourced from God, it never runs out. It may on the surface look almost inefficient and wasteful to choose to love people because of who you are rather than who they are. Because you might never get the response you're looking for. A lot like the father in sending the son. Loving people into God's kingdom, it's going to cost you. Are you prepared to pay the price? Think about tomorrow. Think about your workplace. Think about your neighbourhood, your, your literal neighbours. Think about those who you might bump into. Think about your schoolmates, your university colleagues. Think about friends and family who don't yet know Jesus. There's all sorts of people we've been loving because of who they are. That's not a bad kind of thing. I'm not saying we shouldn't demonstrate storge and phileo and eros kind of love. What I'm saying is, what's going to be the difference tomorrow to choose to love them because of who you are? because of what God's done in you, because of the vastness of his love, because Paul understands this power in understanding our identity founded in the vastness of his love. When you don't know his love, you're pretty insecure. When you don't know his love, you're gonna be looking for it in all the wrong places. When you don't know and have experienced his love, you'll be putting other things as more important, the things that you'll value, will not be the things that he values. And yet he wants us to experience and know this love so that we might give that kind of love away. A love that comes out of who we are. And sure, it's gonna cost us because you may get nothing back in return. It may cost you tomorrow your humility as you love on a work colleague who for every right reason you should just not spend any time with, except for the outrageous nature of God's love. It it may cost you financially because you might step into a situation where generosity, supernatural generosity is required for you to, to, to just meet that need. Not because you ever hope to get it back, not because they're on a payment plan, Not because that, just because, just because God is generous. 
And he wants you to love like that. It might be totally inconvenient for you to stop in amidst a day where you have something planned just for yourself. Finally, that time to yourself. And yet along comes someone who you know needs the love of God, needs for someone to stop and to listen and to pray with them and to really hear them. Not to be sitting there thinking, oh, crikey, I wish I was somewhere else right now. I think I might have missed that massage appointment. But because they needed it and you were there. Agape love is terribly inconvenient and it's going to cost you. But it's the sort of love that changes people's lives because it's the sort of love that changed yours when you experienced it from the Father. Imagine if you could just grasp, like those pictures of the universe, just how vast it is, how vast God's love is. Imagine if you could comprehend the incomprehensible, how amazing that would be that you would understand the power of that love. Because it's a love that resides in you because of your decision to follow Jesus. Church, great opportunity for us, starting when we leave this building today, to love others with an agape love because of who you are, not who they are. Let me pray for you. Loving and gracious God, how deep, how wide, how long, how unfathomable is your love. And God, we long for it to bring us to the fullness of our potential in you, God, to love others with that kind of love. Something's got to shift, something's got to change in us experiencing in your love, a love that casts out fear. If there's a fear in us from being inconvenienced, of, of being generous, of being loving, of, of caring for others, we thank you that you love it. There's a deeper work that we need to experience of your love to drive that fear away. We invite you in, Holy Spirit, come search us a little deeper. Come lead us in a way with the prayer of Paul to be able to understand the vastness of your love, that we might become a people where our identity is rooted and established in your love, that we might be strengthened by your love, that we might be a people tomorrow who love out of the love that we have received, a love that we can give because there is no end. It is limitless, so vast in its nature to fill us up again with your love. I pray your people here at River Life, those watching online, that whenever it says move out this week, game day tomorrow, 
move amongst the people of this great city and this nation, the world beyond, that we might see, know and hear the testimony of a people who are experiencing a different kind of love through your people. We pray it changes them, but we pray it changes us too. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.